Welcome to the Podiatry Business Podcast, brought to you by your host, Lorcan O'Donnella, podiatrist and health business mentor. The podcast that is designed to help current and aspiring podiatry clinic owners to make the most of their clinic, turning it into a true business that can work without them, allowing them the freedom to earn more, work less, and live a better life. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Podiatry Business Podcast with myself, Lorcan O'Donnella, podiatrist and health business mentor. The title of today's podcast is How Much Could I Sell My Clinic For? So when we start our own clinic, the idea that we might be selling it is probably uh, something we at best fleetingly think about. It's in the far distant future. First, we want to make sure that we get a business that actually can pay its bills and have something left over for us to be able to have um, a lifestyle that we want. And the idea that we might have somebody buy it off us in time probably doesn't occur for quite a while. However, at some stage, we start to think, how much could I sell it for? It might be a case that you're getting um, closer to retirement and you're starting to think, well, I want to be able to get something out of this at the end of it. Or maybe it's a case that you're burnt out and you just don't want to go back to, uh, don't want to continue running your own business and you're considering selling it. This happened quite a lot um, recently, I've noticed, after the COVID that quite a number of clinics have not reopened. They haven't sold, they've just not reopened. So, with the more typical uh, situation where you're coming close to retirement, you want to hand it on. What we want is we have worked hard over the years and we want to get something back. We want, we feel we have an asset that we can hand on and we don't want to look back and think that we spent maybe 20, 30, even 40 years building up something that isn't worth anything. We want to make sure that we can get the best possible price for it so we can move on with our life secure in the knowledge that we have in our back pocket the best possible price we could have gotten for that business. Well, there are some sobering stats, I'm afraid, in regards to uh, that possibility. Over 85% of small businesses that try to sell do not do so. They simply have to close because nobody wants to take over that business because in most cases... It's either not making enough profit to make it worthwhile or it's making profit, but to do so, the owner has to nearly kill themselves with work. So they're selling a job, not a business. In most podiatry clinics, one of a number of things will happen when it comes to trying to sell a business. Most often, it simply does not sell. In the past year or so, in my own circumstance, I had another clinic owner approach me and offer to give me their clinic completely free. Now, the reason was they recognized that this really was not worth much and nobody was going to buy it. They had spent maybe 15 or 20 years working in this clinic and they felt a loyalty to their patients, but realized that really nobody was going to give them any money. So they offered it to me at absolutely no charge. Now, I didn't take that clinic off that person's hands. And if I was going to, I would have paid them something for it. But it was a very unattractive proposition and not worth it to me. So those patients lost out and they now have no clinic in that area. 
And that person who owned that clinic and had spent all that time entered their retirement with nothing for it. This is the most common thing that we see in podiatry clinics. It simply does not sell. The second thing we would often see is that it sells for very little. So what may have happened is the owner at some point will have taken on a staff member and this decided to make them a partner or a, a well-paid associate in an effort to keep them. A, a mistake, um, I feel, if you've, and if you've listened to my earlier podcast, you'll see why I think so. This associate or uh, partner already owns a significant portion of the business and the owner has no choice but to sell it to them because it's very difficult to sell 50% of a business to a new individual who's coming in and going to have to work with this partner, a partner they probably don't know. So it brings the pool of available buyers down to one at best. And that buyer, that partner, essentially has the other partner over a barrel. Sell to them or don't sell at all. Or it might sell to an outsider who realizes that the clinic is worth very little and will pay very little for it. This is also quite common. The third thing that you might see happening is the owner of the clinic will just simply keep working in the hope that eventually somebody will take it off their hands and they can retire. But when this never happens, they have to keep going for a number of years as they have no backup plan, they have no, don't have enough of a pension, and they feel that they cannot stop because they need the income. The fourth thing that you might see, but which is exceedingly rare, is that it is sold at a great price that reflects the value of the business. And it is a great reward for the owner of the clinic for all of the years of work that they've put in. Of these four, you can be sure that it is my intention that the latter happens to me. I have no intention of working my ass off for 20, 30 years only to get a little uh, for my clinic or nothing at all, nor have I any intention of continuing to have to to work uh, well beyond retirement years simply because I'm tied to the business. It is my intention to build my, my clinic and my business to one where it is a very attractive proposition and it attracts a very good price. Ask yourself which of these you wish to be. I think I know the answer. So why is it that over 85% of small businesses, and I would imagine the number is probably very similar when it comes to uh, medical clinics like podiatrists and physio and so forth, simply don't sell, or if they do sell at all, sell for very, very little? Well, it's quite simple, really. It's because they're not a business. They're not a true business. A business will only get the price that someone is willing to pay. For example, I know of a clinic that was for sale in the past year. And this person um, was making a profit of approximately £50,000 per year. Now, when I say they were making a profit of £50,000 per year, what they were doing is they were paying themselves £50,000. So it wasn't a true profit as such. But they felt that they should get one and a half times this. So they wanted £75,000 for it. But what they failed to realize is that they were asking someone to essentially just buy a job. Now, a well-paid job, but it still was a job. Whereas all they had to do, the potential owner or potential buyer had to do, was simply open another clinic in the same town 
for a significantly less than £75,000. Take that business with better quality marketing off that person and there was no need to give them all that money. This business did not sell. The owner still working and it's still on sale. But they will never achieve the price that they believe because they're not selling a business like they think they are. What they're selling is a job. A job that requires the buyer to spend a lot of hours working in that clinic to achieve a well-paid income. Why would they do this when they could simply go and get a job for someone else and they wouldn't have the stress of having to own the clinic? This is not a true business. There's no real value in a business if it's just simply a job that you're selling. So if you're at this point kind of unsure of what it is I mean, what I mean by this is a true business is one where the owner does not have to go into that job or into that business and work themselves. They can employ a manager or they can employ other staff to do the work. That is a true business. Anything that requires the owner to have to go in and do day-to-day work. Now, perhaps they might be the CEO. That's a different situation. But if it requires them to go in and, and in the case of podiatry, treat patients at all, it is not a fully true business in the sense of the, that we would believe a business to be. It is more akin to a well-paid job. We Hopefully a well-paid job, but often it's just simply a, a medium-paid job. So how do we value a business? Well, when it comes to businesses, there's a number of ways. So the first would be if we were to um, have stocks for the, the business or shares for the business. So in, in larger companies that are floated on the stock market, if you add up the, um, the value of all the stocks and shares, they're usually multiples of the profit of that business every year. Um, they can be anywhere from the norm is, say, 10 to 12 to 14 times the profit. Now, in certain companies like um, Facebook or even Tesla or whatever, this can go way beyond this, and it isn't necessarily entirely rational, the reasoning for it. But this is for larger companies. For many smaller companies that are well-built and are working as a, as a true business, they can expect to get anywhere from three to five times uh, EBITDA. Now, EBITDA is earnings before interest, tax, and amortization. Amortization basically would be where you might buy equipment such as a sterilizer. And what your accountant will do is rather than write all of that off in the first year, he might write it off over the following eight years. So that's not included in this. And this is often used to allow a buyer to figure out what's the true value of a business because you have to remember that your accountant's job is to make your profit as low as possible legally therefore keeping your tax as low as possible so using the profit of the business isn't always the the most productive way to value a business this is why people often use EBITDA However, most small medical clinics, including podiatry businesses or physiotherapies, will get approximately one times EBITDA or far more often an awful lot less, maybe even half of the earnings that they're making before interest, tax and amortization. This is a poor reward 
you think about it, if you're working for the next 30 years and you're only going to get one at best, more likely a half or three quarters of the profit you made last year as a lump sum, which the taxman will obviously take his section of or his, his uh, portion of, is that enough for 20, 30 years, 40 years work? I don't think it is. I would want be disappointed if that's all I could get for all of my work. My blood, sweat and tears that has gone into building up this business over years. So having considered this, I ask myself, why would I not buy most podiatry clinics? Simply because there isn't enough return for the investment and not just financial, but time investment that we require to turn that business into one that could work independently of me and return sufficient profit and reward for what the owner expects to get from it. This is why most owners expect more than they're going to get and as a result are never able to sell their business and continue to work for a number of years until they realize no one's going to take this off of me unless I slash my price or simply just give up, which unfortunately is what happens to so many podiatrists as they near retirement. However, don't let me uh, project that it's all doom and gloom. You can turn this around. How can you maximize the, the value that your business is going to be worth? Well, it's really simple. The answer is you need to turn your business, your clinic into a true business, a business that works whether you're there or not. What you need to do to do this is you need to do a number of things. You need to apply systemization to everything in your business so that if the phone is answered, it's answered the same way every time. If a patient needs to have a pad applied to their foot, the same type of a pad is applied in the same situation. This gives you standardization of care, standardization of customer service, and means that the business is about the systems, not the individuals, including you. You want it to be about your the systems that you have designed and trained your staff to do and implemented and holding them accountable for, not about you or any single member of staff. Because if it was simply about you or, or, or any member of staff or heavily dependent on them, what happens when you leave? This is why we often see clinics when they sell that the part of the deal is that the owner has to hang on as an employee because they're such an important part of that business. It's my intention in my own clinic early next year to step away almost completely and I will become a CEO type um, figure, head figure of the business because I want to get my business to the point where it doesn't matter whether I turn up at all for up to six months and the business will still run, it will still make profit. That will be a true business and that will be a test of my abilities in the next 12 months. You need to make sure that you have the numbers working for you. You need to know your KPIs. You need to know your profit and loss. You need to know where you can maximize profit and reduce uh, expenditure. You can't have a situation where you're, uh, for example, getting any pa patients to pay you in cash with no receipt and taking the money under the counter and then trying to say, 
well, this is money you'll make as you go forward. That's simply not going to wash with any good quality uh, financial advisor for any buyer. All the money that you take must be declared properly. Otherwise, you are reducing the value of your business when it comes time to sell. You need to consider that your wage will not count. Your wage will not be a uh, value or, or, or a benefit that the, the owner or the new owner is going to get. It's a cost. So if I was buying a business off somebody who was, let's say, for example, told me they made a uh, hundred thousand profit, but they paid themselves fifty thousand, well, I would say I'd have to pay someone to come in and do their job at fifty thousand. This brings their their the value or the profits down to fifty thousand. So you cannot include your own wage when you're computing this. Hence, you need to get to the point where it doesn't matter whether you're there or not. That's how you'll know the true value of your business. You need to make sure that your clinic is just simply not dependent on you. The more you can have this as a situation where it's 90%, 75% true or 100% true, the greater value you'll get for your business. And the more likely you are to get above one times EBITDA, even up to three to five times EBITDA. Now, when you do so, it will mean that your pool of buyers will be smaller. But I'd prefer to have a small pool of buyers who can pay me a, a, a higher number than a large pool of buyers who are any one of whom is going to pay me a much smaller number. Before I go, uh, I know of a, a um, number of podiatrists in Australia who clubbed together and they ended up with between 15 and 20 clinics which they then floated on the stock exchange as a single uh, entity or single company with the intention that they were going to build this up through systemization to 60 clinics. And by doing so, what they were able to do was to, rather than get three to five times, they were able to get up to 14 times the uh, profits of the combined clinic as a valuation. Now, this is not an option for most businesses, but it does make you think, that there is more more value to be gained from your clinic than simply selling a chunk of it to a partner or a clinician that's working next door to you simply because you don't want to lose them. Don't make the mistake of most podiatry, podiatry clinic owners and keeping their head down for 20, 30 years and it comes time to, to uh, retire and sell their business and they realize, actually, I have an asset that's not worth very much to, to very many people and they get very little for all their reward. So this is Lorcan Dunla, Podiatry Business Mentor, signing off until next week.